0: welcome to canvas church you are listening to our weekly celebration service message thank you for tuning in we're in the series love and logic it's a really cool graphic i don't know who did that but uh but we're in the series love and logic and uh it's first corinthians 13 and uh it, I, last week was awesome i i when when pastor men talked about the different types of love Uh, you know, we got one word in English, right? Love. And we use it for everything, like too much, right? I love pizza. Honey, I love you. Wait, it's awkward. (laughs) So, so, but in, in other languages, there's more words and he broke that down. It was really powerful. If you didn't hear it last week, I, I would encourage you to go back and listen to it. It was really, really good. Uh, and some insights that I hadn't even considered about that Eros, that, that self-fulfilling love and even the friendships we have and the relationships we have where we feel like, oh man, I love this person. Oftentimes, it's because it's convenient, and it's fun to hang out, and it's really about how it feels to me, not about, well, not about serving the other person. So, uh, so I was really challenged by the word last week, and this week, I believe God is building on that. So we're going uh, to turn to that that key scripture for this for this series, 1 Corinthians 13, and uh, we're going to uh, read through a few verses there, but, uh, but also, we're going to turn to Genesis 9. So if you want to put a finger in Genesis 9, Genesis is the first book of the Bible, so uh, if you have a hard time uh, knowing the the, the Bible, uh, I do. That one's the very first one, so you can't miss it. So uh, Genesis nine, we're going to start in verse eighteen in a moment. But first, I'm going to read that that key of uh, those key verses from First Corinthians 13, and uh, that's one of the letters that Paul wrote to the the church in Corinthians. And uh, we're going to get there. Who, who's, if you're there, say I'm there. All right, I like it. I like a vocal church. If you guys want to give me feedback, you know, don't make fun of me or banter. But if you want to. Give me some amens. I'm okay with that. Awesome. We're going to start in verse number 4 of 1 Corinthians 13. We're going to read verses 4 through 7. So it starts, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth it always always protects always trusts always hopes always perseveres say persevere love that word all right now so this is part of our core scripture we for this for this series we're in 1 Corinthians 13 but I want to focus on those for this for this sermon for this message and and I want to I want to look at this I mean, because that's very lofty. And how many of you read that and you're like, man, that sounds great. I'm not there yet. Okay. But I want to I look at this from a very practical application. I want to take a story from the Bible that I believe really demonstrates a lot of what love is and even part of what love isn't. So uh, so before you turn to Genesis 9, this is a, a phenomenal story. I started telling someone to work about this. i like, what? That happened to the Bible? Yes, it did. So here we go. Genesis 9, starting in verse 18. The sons of Noah... Who knows who Noah is? Noah's ark, right? Okay. Noah's the guy that, that built the ark, right? And, and there was the flood and, and everyone died. It was just Noah and his family and a bunch of stinky animals, right? So this is after the flood and they're on land and they're starting to settle and build crops. So And it said that, that Noah became the father of uh, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, uh, three sons, after he was over 500 years old. So he's lived a kind of a long life, right? So let's move on. The sons of Noah uh, who came out of the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ham was the father of Canaan. So Ham's a grown man. He's got a son named Canaan. These were the three sons of Noah. And from them came the people who were scattered over the whole earth. Noah, a man of the soil, proceeded to plant a vineyard. When he drank some of its wine, he became drunk. Noah? O M G. He became drunk and lay uncovered, everybody say naked, inside his tent. Ham, the father of Canaan, saw his father naked and told his two brothers outside. But Shem and Japheth took a garment and laid it across their shoulders. Then they walked in backwards and covered their father's naked body. Their faces were turned the other way so they would not see their father naked. When Noah awoke from his wine, and found out his youngest son had done to him, he said with a headache, Cursed be Canaan! The lowest of slaves will be uh, to his brothers. He also said, Praise be the Lord, God of Shem. May Canaan be the slave of Shem. May God extend Japheth's territory. May Japheth live in the tents of Shem. And may Canaan be the slave of Japheth. Let me go ahead and pray. Father, thank you for your word, for these scriptures. I pray that you would help them to come alive to us as you have to me I pray that my words would not be mine, they would be yours, and that every heart here would not hear my voice, they would hear yours. God, I pray that, that every barrier, every filter, Lord, I pray that every every hindrance, every distraction, I pray against all of it that we would be able to hear your voice right now and that we would be able to understand the way you love us, God. That's what I want them to walk away with today, and I want me to walk away with is the power of your love, God, how you define love, what that means for us in our relationship with you and how we relate to others so make your word come alive as we as we talk today, Father. We love you. We thank you for this and, and for all that you've done for us. In Jesus name, Amen. So um, amazing story, right? I mean, if you think about this, and, and again, sometimes because of the way they tell the stories in the Bible, it just kind of goes, you know, this happened, this, 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 this. But if you just think about how that played out, this is, I mean, kind of ridiculous story, right? So, so again, Noah, who who is a little bit older, okay, he, he's a uh, he's a senior citizen, yeah. Maybe he's you know 10 times past a senior citizen but but he's over 500 years old. So his son ham walks in and, and ham's a grown man but he walks in on dad, opens a tent whoa this he's naked passed out, old man buns straight at you. I mean he this, 500 years old that wasn't a pretty sight. I'm, I'm just guessing okay so so he walks in on this and, and instead of like oh gosh and he walks away, you know, close the tent and, and act like nothing ever happened. He goes out and says, hey, Shem, Japheth, check this out. And, and I don't know what he was thinking. If he was like, man, I can't believe dad did that. Or if he was like, oh my gosh, come check this out. And he's laughing. I don't know. I don't know what his reaction was at that time. But but he said, hey, come check this out. Come look at dad. And then the two brothers, they approach the tent, but they don't go in it until they've got their backs turned. They turn their backs they're looking away, they put a blanket over their shoulder and walk backwards and just cover their father. They cover him, they don't look, and they walk out and they leave him be. The two drastically different reactions in that, in that position, but some, there's some powerful imagery in that. And how many of you know that, that your family are the ones that know you the best? Okay, when my wife and I first were, were courting and dating, man, those romantic feelings came super easy, right? I mean, like, it was passionate and it was, it was, I mean, it was, it was crazy. I mean, I was, I couldn't focus on school. I, I, I just, I was like senioritis. I want to get married. Let's do it. You know, like, I, I, I just was overwhelmed with emotion. And I think she would say amen to her too. Yeah. But I know for me, I was, right? And then, but what happens as you get married for a month or, or six months or six years or, or 12 years or, what happens is that you get intimate with one another you get to see all the ugly parts of of your of your spouse you get to see not i mean i'm not talking about us physically but she knows him better than everyone else right and she knows that brandon ain't perfect he's got a bad attitude sometimes he gets hangry man if he doesn't shower for a couple of days he gets stinky like he whatever she knows me inside and out and she gets to see all these parts and 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 i have this theory i have this theory that it is actually easier sometimes to love stray animals. It is easier to love the homeless. It's it's easy honestly, I mean think about it. I know it's funny, but but I'm being very serious that it's easier to love these people, strangers on the street, your barista at Starbucks, or your coworker at work, because sometimes you haven't seen all their crud. You haven't seen all their all their dirt. These are people that you don't know, and you can say, man, you're in a down-and-out position. Let me hand you food. Let me serve you. Let me." Do. But it's because they've never hurt you. I've caused my wife more pain than anyone else on the planet. Literally. But she decides to love me anyway. She chooses what she looks at, and so we're going to talk about what real love is. Because, yes, taking care of those stray animals is great. You know, saving the the climate's wonderful because the climate's helpless. That homeless person who's down and out, yes, help them. But but your true love is tested by what Jesus said. He said, you'll know them by how they love one another. Because in this community, I get to see some of your dirt. And you get to see some of mine. And that's where true love is tested. So we're going to talk about what true love is. It's not just the romantic feelings on Valentine's Day, right? It's it's not just the the feeling of, I just feel affectionate and warm and fuzzy for you. It's, man, I see your dirt, but I make a decision. And the feelings of romance, the feelings of love, are the byproduct of the decisions we make in relationships. The feelings, let me say that again, the feelings are the byproduct of the decisions you make. Amen? Let me me, me explain a little further. Point number one, if you're taking notes, love chooses to see the best. The best. Love chooses to see the best. And remember, this goes back to, to our scripture. First Corinthians from 13, verse 6 says, Love does, do not, does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Rejoices with the truth. I, I uh, About five years ago, before PJ was born, I took uh, Hannah and Bishop to the park. It was over in, uh, just right, right around the corner in Tierra Santa, uh, just around the corner. And we went to the park, and, and I remember taking my shirt off, and the kids were playing, Hannah and Bishop, they were climbing all over and I'm like, okay, I'm going to do a little workout and get some pull-ups in and some push-ups. And, you know, i got to fit in whenever I can, you know. And I remember Hannah was up on the big toy. And, and I don't remember what I was doing, if, you know, some pull-ups or something. And then she looks down at me. She goes, hey, Dad, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm working out. She goes, oh, okay. Are, are you trying to get rid of that fat right here? Yeah, Hannah. So I'm trying to do. Put my shirt back on. <laughs> Your family knows you the most intimately. Amen. Okay, she sees the bad parts of dad, right? Okay, your family knows you the best. The the people that are closest to you know you. My wife knows me better than anyone else. I've been with Pastor Ben for a decade now. I know some of his junk. But it's the decision you make in that moment when Ham was there and he sees his father's nudity and nakedness and shame. And, And some people argue. Some people say that, you know what, well, well, Noah, because of the climate change, because that was the first time that it had rained, but up until that point, they didn't actually have fermentation, so this was the first time that we had seen fermentation, and so he probably didn't even realize he's getting drunk, and it was probably an accident, and okay, maybe, maybe it was an accident, or maybe he just got depressed and said, hey, I'm going to go get drunk. I don't know. He's not Jesus. He's Noah. He's not perfect, okay? We can all agree. You look through the characters of the Bible, and guess what? They're not perfect. You see dirt on everyone except Jesus, okay? So I don't know if he sinned or if he didn't sin. It's not the purpose. It's not the point. The point is, what was Ham's reaction? What was Ham's decision in that moment? When he walks in and sees that, he's got a decision to make. What am I going to look at? And if you look at, he said that he saw his father's nudity. It, it, that word in that context is more than just like, oh, I saw something I didn't want to see. It was intentional. It was more so like he looked at his father's nudity. He, he gazed at his father's nudity. It was intentional. He decided in that moment, man, look at, look at dad. What's he doing? Or I don't know what he felt in that moment. But he decided to look. He made a decision in that moment. It wasn't accidental. He decided to look. And there's a, there's a scripture in 2 Corinthians 3.18 that says that as we behold Jesus... We become more like him from glory to glory, it says. But there's a principle there. And I believe that it's not just Jesus. But what you behold is what you become. What you behold is what you become. And how many of you know you got a choice there? What do you look at when you go into your day? What do you decide to focus on in your day, in your marriage, in your work, with your coworkers, with your boss? What do you decide to look at? Because that is a choice, is it not? Even if you accidentally saw something, you've got a choice if you look away. You've got a choice if you dwell on that imagery. You've got a choice in those relationships. The Bible says that there's treasure in earthen vessels. There's treasure in earthen vessels. That's how he describes us. There's treasure in us. So many times we look at other people and all we see is just this flawed clay with with blemishes and cracks and and, and, and little bits of of, of dirt and grass. And we we see this, this clay... Uh, imperfection, but if we choose to look at people like God does, He says, "No, I see the treasure in that clay." And it's easy when you don't know the person, when they're a stranger, right? But when you know the person intimately, what do you decide to look at? What do we decide to look at? What do I decide to look at? And I've messed this up more often than not. I'm not saying this because I've mastered this yet. I'm saying this because God has revealed to to me through this, through His Word, that. It's about what you look at in other people. Can you make the decision to say, "No, I'm going to look for the treasure"? And as I love that person, you begin to draw out that treasure becomes magnified in them and in yourself. And you begin to look at them differently when you make the decision to to look at look at that person the way God looks at them, which is the treasure inside His Holy Spirit that is in us. Amen. It's a decision. Anyone can uh, anyone can can see the the uh, the. The dirt in someone, but be someone that finds the goal. Number two, if you're taking notes, number one was love chooses to see the best. Number two is also a decision, which is love covers. Love covers. This also comes from our our verse here, from uh, verse number seven, which is love always protects. Love always protects. Now, if you look at this imagery again of what happened in the story, we, we see a huge difference in that moment that, that that love covers because we see Shem and Japheth cover their father in that moment of weakness. Now, while Ham was interested in, in broadcasting all of Noah's shame, his failures, his flaws, th- there's actually been speculation that because of, of this, this interaction here, there's been speculation from historians and, and academics that that, that Ham, be, you know, again, who knew his father better than anyone, he, he may have actually had some kind of uh, pent up bitterness toward his dad, resentment maybe over maybe, you know, him as the patriarch or him as maybe being more self-righteous or, or because of the flood. Who knows what that did mentally to, to just scar him? And maybe he blamed his dad. I don't know. I don't know what happened in that moment. But but whatever, whatever led him in his heart to make that decision, he was standing at the entryway to the tent, and he had a decision to make in that moment. I see dad's nudity, his sin, his shame, his flawed, failed uh, position right now, old man buns, I- embarrassing, and I can, I can ignore it, I can cover it, I can go broadcast it, and he made a decision to broadcast it. But then we see his brothers come up and again decide to turn their heads away, walk backwards, And cover that that shame, that nudity. And I want to stop and pause on that for a second. Think about the power of that. For for yourself, imagine how God has done that for you. For me, he knows my deepest, darkest parts. And he says, I'm not even going to look at it. I got it covered. I've got it covered. I'm not even looking at it. It's erased. It is no more. There's people here in this room right now that have severe shame. In this room right now, God's got it covered. God's got it covered. You don't have to worry about, about, about locking the doors of your heart so that no one comes in and sees your shame and your nudity. You don't have to worry anymore about about, I hope I don't get found out in my past mistakes, the evil thoughts I have, the, the the suicidal thoughts, the 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 depression I have, the 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 decisions I've made in the past, the way I've hurt people in the past. You don't have to worry about that because God says I've got it covered, and He lavishly covers us in in not just a blanket, but 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 His grace. And and will we decide out of that grace we've been given to do that for others? Because it's easy when it's someone you don't know. But but when you know the person, when it's someone in your small group, when it's someone that you're married to, when it's your brother or your parents who have offended you, you're not going to get an apology from them. Will you decide to just cover it up? For their sake. Because it's not about the Eros love that seeks for self. It's about the agape love that, that seeks for what's best for them. And in that moment, you've got a decision to make. Will I cover them? I'm not going to look at it, but but I'm going to cover it. Not to, not to protect them from, not to protect them from the, the consequences of their mistakes. Because I'm sure that Noah woke up and had a headache and he had plenty of consequences but so that even in your own eyes you can still have a relationship with that person because you're deciding to look at the right things. There's a couple really powerful verses uh, from Proverbs ten twelve. It says, Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. How many offenses? All offenses. If you're offended at someone, love can cover that. If someone's offended at you, Man, shower in love. Love can cover that. Love can cover all offenses. In 1 Peter 4, 8, it says, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly. Earnestly means with effort. With effort, it's it's not easy, but earnestly strive to love one another since love covers a multitude of sins. How many of y'all in this room have sinned? Come on, let's start loving each other because we need it. (laughs) Okay. Love covers a multitude of sins. Whoever covers, in Proverbs 17, 9, says, whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. Let me say that again. Whoever covers an offense, imagine that imagery of a blanket over someone. Whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who, like Ham, goes and repeats a matter separates close friends. And we see it played out here in a tragic form. Some might say that, oh, Noah was too harsh on him. He, he cursed his son and his grandson. And, and we see that actually literally play out into their lineage, into the history of humanity. And I don't have time to go into that, but we also see Japheth and Shem who are blessed. But, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. I don't know about you, but... But I've had relationships torn apart because of offenses, because of sin, because of uh, a lack of forgiveness, and if you've been around long enough, you've been part of a community long enough, you've been in relationships long enough, you see this time and time again, but there's a decision to make early on that they can avoid those separations, those divisions in our church, in in your small group, in your family, but it comes down to a decision to cover those offenses, Amen. Number three, number three, love honors. Number three, love honors. I don't know if you've noticed this, but love chooses to see the best. Love covers and love honors. I don't know if you noticed this, but these are all decisions you got to make. These don't come naturally. These don't come naturally. This takes promise. Honor is huge. The, 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 again, comes from verse five of our scripture. Love does not dishonor others. Love does not dishonor others. O- honor is a... It, it, it's a peculiar thing. We don't use the word much in, in our American society, but there, I mean, you look at different cultures and, and they call them like cultures of honor because it's a very honor-based system because of your age or your status or your accomplishments or, or, or whatever. And, and they, they, they're respectful, they honor one another. There, there's bowing, there's, there, there's practices that, that, that show honor to the host. Or We really lack a lot of that in the U.S., right? Our culture is very, very casual. We, we don't show honor a lot of times. Or, or if someone has been honored, you get a lot of people who will try to tear them down or po- poke holes in it because, and I don't know why this is. I'm theorizing here, but it's like we, we love like fairness and equality, and we love these other words really a lot, which are, are great words, absolutely. But, but I think we're afraid to honor someone because we believe that if we honor someone, we, we elevate them and we, 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 we give them honor or praise, that that means that, that we are therefore just somehow diminished. And that, and that we can't be unequal with them because we're Americans and we're all the same. Right? And so we're afraid to honor people. And we will actually tear down people that, that should be honored. We, we, we lack honor in our culture, but not in God's kingdom. Because when you're from God's kingdom, you're not from this culture. And that can be a hard thing to separate yourself from the culture that you live in. But we live in the world, but we're not of it. So if we can dive into the Bible, if we can dive into the kingdom of God through community, we can begin to adopt a kingdom mindset. And God's kingdom is all about honor. To honor people, it means to promote, to elevate another's status. And so if 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 we can honor people, we elevate them it doesn't mean we're diminishing ourselves any less because, yes, God looks at everyone equally. He loves all of you the exact same. But if I can elevate my wife and say, babe, you are worthy of honor. You've done such an amazing job with our children. If I can elevate her and give my wife praise, it doesn't diminish me. If anything, she's my, my crown, right? She's my, my, my trophy wife. But, but in all honesty, when we honor others, it doesn't diminish ourselves. But like we see Ham and Japheth who refuse to dishonor their father, and I will not take him from that place of elevation. He is our patriarch. He is the man of God. I will not remove him from that position in my mind. I'm going to choose to cover that up and keep him in that position of honor. They themselves were honored. And if we will choose to honor those around us, there is blessing in that. Amen. But that's a choice we have to make if we will choose to honor other people. In Romans 12, 10, I love this. Look this up, read it, put it on your doorpost. Outdo one another in showing honor. Romans 12, 10, outdo one another in showing honor. That's what God's kingdom is about. God's kingdom is about getting competitive. I can honor people better than all of y'all. I want to just encourage people and build them up and strengthen them and say, you've got what it takes. Run that business. I know God's got power in you. You can do it. If you say you know what you did a great job with set up setting up this morning. Who's here for set up this morning? Who helped? Got here early helped? A few hands go up. Give them, give them some 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 claps. Man, I, I can't tell you how hard that team works. I can't tell you how much they come in. They they're getting caffeinated, they're smiling, they're working hard. They deserve honor. They deserve honor, and that's something we as a as a kingdom of God need to lavishly exchange with one another. That we can learn to honor one another continuously. And again, we're not we're not saying that you're perfect, but we we give honor to one another, we elevate others, and as we continue to elevate each other, it all it raises all ships. Amen. And it's not that I'm diminishing myself by any means to say that I, I, I'm lesser, but no, I'm I, I'm as as valuable as, as all the rest of you in God's eyes. But if we can elevate one another, we're all going to raise up to a higher standard of what's expected of us. To know that we are all children of God. We're all heirs with Christ. We're all royalty in his kingdom. Amen. We need to go counterculture and learn to honor one another. I believe that's one thing that stood out to my wife, actually, when, when she first met me. She said, you treat people differently. And again, I give God credit for that. He put a heart in me that cares for other people and treats people differently. Will we be that light in the world that says, I'm going to honor my boss? When other people are talking talking bad about your boss, will you honor your boss? Well, you don't know the way he treats me. I don't care. Will you honor your boss? Because I didn't treat God well, but guess what? He showered me with honor. I didn't treat him well. I didn't treat my spouse well, but she continues to honor me. Will we make that decision to honor people because Ham's actions were not honoring. They dishonored The two brothers chose to honor their father, and they reaped what they sowed. We honor others because God showered us with honor. It it says that we are co-heirs with Christ. We are co-heirs with Christ. If you've got a wealthy wealthy father, if you're an heir, you're going to inherit wealth, right? It says we are co-heirs with Christ. I imagine that Jesus, the son of God, has a pretty magnificent inheritance, don't you? You have been showered in honor. It says that you have a seat at his table. You, like me, were at one point a terrible sinner. But God says, I've covered that. I've covered that. I've covered that up. I've, I've covered your, your crippledness, your, your nakedness, your shame. I've covered all that. And now I'm gonna bless you with honor. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you a wardrobe of royalty. Put a ring on your finger. You've got a seat at the table with the king. Something you don't deserve. And all we, we want, all we need to do is say thank you. I accept that. I accept it. And some of us can't accept it for ourselves and therefore we won't accept it for other people. And we have a hard time honoring other people because we haven't accepted that God has honored us. But that is the truth. How many of know that? Say amen. He elevated us to royalty. He, he caused us to be children of God, sons and daughters of God. And for all of us here, I think if we can accept the, the forgiveness that God gives us, he can begin, we can begin to show that grace to other people because it's not because your boss or your spouse have earned it or deserved it. It's not. And if you're looking for a spouse who earns it and deserves it, you're probably not going to be married very long. If you're looking to serve the perfect boss, keep hopping jobs. If you're looking to serve a pastor who's perfect, keep hopping churches. If you're looking for friends that will never offend you, you're never going to form intimate relationships. You will never form intimate relationships because you will be hurt. Expect it. If you're a close friend with me, I'm going to frustrate you or tick you off or just annoy you, right? So expect it. But but that's where agape love comes in and says it's not about you pleasing me perfectly. It's about a committed relationship where I'm willing to do what's best for you because God did that for me. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit our website at www.canvaschurchsd.com.